Alright, coffee people. My name is Ethan Essig, and I am hanging out here with KC Coffee Geek. Some of you may have seen his content there on the internet, but hey, I'll let you introduce yourself and tell the world what you're about. Alright, Ethan. My name's Steve Agos, and I've got a website called kccoffeegeek.com. And mainly it's, or almost entirely, it's um, reviews of coffee, some based in Kansas City, some from all over the place. So, awesome. Here, real quick, we got a cheers because we never probably oh, yeah. did that when we... All right. We're recording so we, here at uh, Square Work. I didn't drink. At Square Works here in uh, Liberty, Missouri, so... It's a nice little space. It's been my recording studio now, like probably the last month. Um, so, we talked to Steve early on in the process of starting KC Coffee Collective, messaging on Instagram, all those fun things. Um, and I've actually followed you via my regular Instagram for a while now. So, how long have you been doing the? coffee reviews the website and all that fun stuff yeah so i started the website back in 2015 i actually figured that was going to be a question so i had to look it up this morning so i kind of <laughs> forgot i know 2016 for sure but it was actually 2015 which seems like a really long time um you know as far as those kind of things go so yeah um i would say 2016 2017 were probably where i was the busiest with it and i was mm -hmm. posting something almost every day yeah. Um, just because of work changes and stuff like that, it slowed down a little bit where I only post a couple times a week now, but it's still a pretty pretty good pace. How tiring did that get in 2016, You know, it wasn't too bad because my work um, was kind of conducive to that, like my real job. But, yeah. um, you know, it was – and that was actually one of the reasons I actually started the website was to be able to do something creative that I don't really get to do at work um, with my regular job and – and it was also like just a discipline thing to try to write every day and do yeah. something every single day. So every morning I'd get up, I'd, you know, review a coffee, I'd, you know, taste it, I'd do notes on it, post. But yeah, it's a lot, it, it, like just the mechanics of writing it and doing the, like posting the pictures and anything I need to do to the photographs. I mean, it takes probably hour and a half to two hours to do each post. So, you know, I'd get yeah. up first thing in the morning and do all that stuff and it was cool when I was doing it like that but it just it's a little bit of a heavy pace and yeah and the other thing I found out too is that um the roasters aren't always super reliable with like when they ship out and stuff like that and that's no knock against them they do what they can but like we'd schedule something and sometimes it would come sometimes it wouldn't sometimes it would come early sometimes it'd come a couple weeks late and then sometimes people just send me stuff out of the blue. And so there was times where I'd have like 30 bags of coffee sitting on the counter going, oh, my God, I got to drink all this stuff like really fast or else it's going to get start getting funky. So, yeah. you know, th that was a little bit too big of a pace. So now that it's a little more relaxed, it's a lot more easy to, to kind of keep up with it. I feel you on the uh, 30 bags of coffee at your house. Or I just I think I have three cabinets full of just bags that I've like either done product shoots with or just tasting before we send it out or put on the website. Yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have, really. Yeah. We, people are like, those assholes. Like, <laughs> I just didn't have my one bag. But, uh, well, yeah, I can imagine the daily would be pretty tiring. And with my uh, travel website, I mean, I tried to do similar things like posting on Instagram five times a week or something like that. And it's like, I mean, really, I, I only have so many mountain photos or something yeah. like that to throw out there. Yeah, even the social media part of it's a lot of work, you know. I mean, it yeah. seems silly to complain about it, and I'm not really complaining. But, you know, even just doing a, a decent post, if you doctor up your photo a little bit, you know, and write yeah. something. You know, I, I'm not smart enough to, like, put a Bluetooth keyboard on my phone. So then I end up, like, you know, yeah. thumb typing it out. And yeah. And I find all sorts of mistakes afterward and stuff. And I mean, even that, it's, you know, it's, you're sitting there looking at the screen and messing around and, you know, 20 minutes has gone by for a post yeah. and it's like, holy smokes, you know, this is crazy. Yeah. So I, I had to dial it back as well. So what does your schedule look like now with it? Or you, you know, usually right now I haven't been, once in a while I'll reach out to 
um, roasters and just say, hey, you know, I've been following you. Can I get coffee from you? And some respond. A lot of them don't, um, which I'm sure they get requests like that all the time. So yeah. I have a few standbys that, that send stuff pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, one of the things that's been happening is I've been getting contacted by like a lot of really like just tiny startup kind of companies. And you just mm-hmm. never quite know, like if, you know, Messenger here in Kansas City or Onyx or, you know, Theodore's or somebody sends me coffee, like they're a known entity and I know what I'm going to get from them. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, some of these brands, you just don't know like the style of coffee or anything. And I'm trying to stick to yeah. specialty coffee and not really go down the available on Amazon route and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I basically, you know, if somebody reaches out, I basically take whatever they have and I only post positive reviews. So if it sucks or I don't like it or there's something wrong with it, you know, that doesn't really see the light of day because I think there's enough negative information out there that, you know, if it's not something that I'm into, I just don't write about it. Yeah. And so, you know, that works out pretty good. But I try to post, my goal now is to try to get at least two reviews per week up. So, which I think is a pretty good pace because I don't think, who knows if, I mean, my hits were better when I was doing more, but I don't know if people were really keeping up with wanting to read about another coffee like every day. Or if you were just day, like getting you know? the like as right. you go down. Because even I find myself doing that, like the same people every day. Yeah. I just automatically give them the double click. Yeah. Um, no, well, that, I mean, that's great. And it seems like you have maybe the healthiest view of social media like that I've heard is like... <laughs> Yeah, they didn't respond. It's all good. Um, the copy wasn't great, so I didn't share it. <laughs> so I think the yeah. you know one of the advantages I have is I'm not trying to monetize this. You know, very early on, I was like, yeah. oh man, this would be kind of cool if I you know this changed into advertising and you know all that sort of stuff. But that takes work to do, and I again, I'm not trying to sound lazy or anything, but I have a full time job. Yeah, you know, it's something that I'm very fulfilled in. So I'm not trying to like change careers or doing anything yeah. like that. So this really started just as a hobby to be able to, well, before I had the coffee site, I had, um, I don't know, for a few years I had a, like a beer review site, which, um, I enjoyed doing. And that was trying to think of when that was, I think I started that when I lived up in Michigan still. So, you know, same type of deal where I wasn't trying to monetize it. I just, I like to write, I like to do creative stuff and I just don't get an outlet for that. So, yeah. So I wanted to do something sensory that, um, you know, at the time when I started the Casey Coffee Geek website, there really wasn't a whole lot of like coffee review sites. And I yeah. think it's actually kind of a tough thing to do because coffee doesn't stay consistent. No. So like this year's, you know, whatever Ethiopian from Oddly Correct is, you know, they could get the exact same coffee next year. It's going to be something totally different. So it's not yeah. like... Uh, you know, right now we're drinking Boulevard 80 Acre. Like, that's going to be the same beer every single yeah. time you get it. And if it's not, there's something wrong with it. You know, that's yeah. a company and that's a an industry that's based on consistency. And so when yeah. you're dealing with a crop like coffee, it's just not going to be consistent. So it's kind of a weird thing to have a review site with because once it's that crop is up, it's up, you know, and yeah. you know, you're not going to get it again. But I think, you know, for me, it's just something I enjoy doing. So the fact that I don't monetize it, I think, is a a healthy thing because if I get a lot of people following me, great. If I don't, that's fine. If I get people, you know, reacting, that's great. If I don't, whatever. So, you know, I can just do it for the fun of it. And if people want to be along for the ride, they can. Yeah. If not, then not. And it's no, you know, I'm not trying to turn it into a business. So, yeah. Yeah. Because it's mostly for you. Right. Or all for you. Um, so, you probably had like a kind of unimaginable amount of coffee at this point maybe just in terms of just like tasting different kinds yeah like, so i'm curious just with thinking that like you're getting a different bag all the time what happens when you get that bag that you're like man shit i would love to just drink this every morning for a while but i have x number of bags to review yeah so what i used <laughs> to do with like the overage there was a gal in kansas city who also had a like a coffee blog and i used to just like bag everything up anything i had left over i just put in a huge box and set out and she'd come by and grab it um we found a super automatic um espresso machine for like i think i paid a 100 bucks for it or something a gaja machine or seiko machine rather so we took that to work and um so now i just take all my overage to work and just you know use everything there but yeah if i find something really good the thing is for me is i there's not that much that I don't like, you know? Yeah. So if I find something that's just like insanely good, 
you know, I'll just kind of hold that aside and just, you know, mm-hmm. on, like on weekends, I tend not to do anything as far as writing, um, you know, and stuff like that. So I'll just kind of hold it aside and, you know, sneak in, excuse me, sneak in some cups here and there and, and yeah. all that sort of thing. So once okay. in a while, like I'll get something that's a geisha or something like that that's, you know, $70 a bag coffee or something like yeah. that. And if I get some of that, you know, that's not something I'm taking out, you know, to work to run through the cheap espresso machine or yeah, anything like yeah. that so you know it's, and then there's been a couple coffees from theodore's um which is a roaster in gosh where are they i forget where they are exactly but they're one of my go-to roasters and um like if i really dig something like he's really good about reading the reviews and once in a while he'll like you know just a second bag just arrives and you know hey yeah. this is for you so that's kind of cool but nice but it's hard because i can't drink that much coffee so like it's hard to stay up on top of yeah. it you know, I have two or three cups, and I'm pretty much, like, done for the day. And yeah. I don't, tend not to be, like, an afternoon coffee drinker, although since I'm up here in Liberty, this was the first time I got to stop at Hammerhand. So I just had an oh, yeah. espresso and a, what do they do? They call the, the espresso sidecar. So I had an espresso oh, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. macchiato over there yeah. just now. So I'll probably be wired for the evening tonight. Oh, yeah. See, that's, like, that's a, that shop, I mean, that's my home base since I'm, here in Liberty all the time. What'd you think of it? It was good. It's a cool shop too. So, yeah. you know, the pictures give you a little bit of a sense of it, but I always like going into the space and you get, you know, mm-hmm. a lot more perspective and stuff, but yeah. Um, you know, for an afternoon, you know, right in the beginning of the week, it's, you know, they got just about every table full in there and it seems like the place yeah. to go. I mean, this little downtown area in Liberty is really cool to begin with. So yeah, I'm sure all the people who are just right down in the neighborhood and can just pop over anytime. So, but the okay. espresso is good. They sent me a bag of that espresso. Well, they just started roasting late last year, I think. So yeah. they sent me a few coffees yeah. around early winter time last year. And so I already had been pulling it at home uh, mm-hmm. as shots. And so I always like the, what they call the espresso sidecar. I, you know, the first time I ever heard of that was something that, um, if you've ever listened to the Cat and Cloud website, they call yeah. it a one and one. Okay. Uh, but it's a shot of espresso with a macchiato, you know, mm-hmm. with it. And so you yeah. get the espresso, but then you also get the, just a little tiny milk drink because yeah. for me, like getting a, even like a eight ounce, you know, cappuccino or something like that's a little bit much in f- as far as yeah. the milk goes. So yeah. it's nice to be able to get like a little mini latte and know what it's going to taste like with milk. Yeah. So that's always kind of my go-to drink when I try a place out for the first time is to to get a sense of the espresso with the espresso with milk like that so it's cool to see Mm -hmm. it on the menu it's only like three and a half bucks so it's a pretty good deal yeah a lot of energy in one little cup yeah yeah that's that shop that's where uh, the idea for Casey Coffee Collective was born cool so yeah it's just it's it's like the right amount of noise to like go in there and get work done and not get freaked out by your own silence and then not too loud to and i saw they have an upstairs area can you sit up there or is that just no, something that's separate? A, yeah it's a real estate company oh okay so um apparently it would just like cost an ungodly amount to have both if that company eventually uh leaves the place yeah well it was kind of an accident that they ended up there anyway because their yeah. original spot caved yeah, in yeah you can see where Oh, really? Caved in, yeah, over on the other corner over there, where it's just rubble. Huh. Yeah. So, it worked out. Alex always says he wants to move, but I secretly hope he just stays there. Yeah, it's it's cool to be in a, like, central location that you can just walk to like that, especially in a little area like this, because you can still park down here anywhere, and it's, you know, this little square is cool. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to pay or anything like that for parking, so it all works out. Um, So, I'm guessing... I, I mean, in terms of, I've always enjoyed coffee, but in terms of the specialty KC coffee scene, I haven't been in it super long. So, in your mind, I mean, all these shops that are popping up and roasting their own coffee, I mean, have you just seen that just grow like crazy over the last five years or so? Yeah, it's really nuts. I moved to Kansas City in 2007. Um, when I moved here, I moved here from Michigan. I'd been living there um for about the previous seven years. And we had a couple like little coffee shops um, in this town of Holland, Michigan that I lived in. Yeah. So it's kind of getting my feet wet in what I would call like, 
probably second wave coffee, you know, it wasn't yeah. like, it was like a Starbucks level, you know, it was yeah. that sort of thing. And at that time, the darker, the better. I was always going for like the, yeah. what do they call them? Like depth charges or something where you get like a dark roast with a couple shots of espresso chucked yeah. in there and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Um, there actually is a coffee shop up there in Holland, Michigan called uh, Lemon Jellos that's pretty well known around, I guess, in the, mm-hmm. like they've, they compete in the barista championships and stuff so i guess i was getting some and that was right down the street from me so i was, I was getting some like legit Pretty, you know yeah. third wave style coffee even at that time even though i didn't know that's what it was called or anything um when i moved to kansas city i think uh boulevard uh or not boulevard uh, broadway cafe was like my go-to place just because yeah. it's fun to sit in there and like yeah they, they do a particular style of espresso that is very like traditional Italian and yeah. my family lived in Italy when I was a kid. And so that was kind of my introduction to okay. like the world of coffee was like, you know, traditional Roman espresso and stuff like that. So I like going in there. It's just fun people watching and, and stuff like that. And then down the street from them is where oddly correct put their spot in. Yeah. And that was probably really my first, um, my first really like, this is something totally different type experience with coffee. They had a washed Ethiopian that like, if I had had my eyes closed, I would have thought for sure it was like Earl Grey tea. Yeah. Like really light, really non coffee like, which, you know, has its own ups and downs, but like that was the first like, Holy smokes. Like you can, this is something there's a lot of possibility with. And that was really where I was starting to think about transitioning like my beer blog over into something that's more coffee related. Mm hmm. But even then, I mean, we had quite a few places. I forget how long. I think they've been open for 10 years now, maybe. I think they yeah. just celebrated their... In fact, they did just celebrate yeah. their 10-year anniversary. So, you know, it's been growing like crazy. And, I mean, just the other day I was on um, Instagram and I saw a couple places, like, that I didn't even know about. And, I'm like, man, i got to change the name of my site because I don't even know what's going on in Kansas City yeah. anymore. I know, right? I have, a, I have a Casey subscription company, and it's like I found one in my hometown that it's like I didn't it, even know about. It's really hard to stay on top of, and some of them are really small, but some of them, and sometimes it's just a shop, and they're you know like yeah. you know using somebody else's beans. But it's yeah, yeah. I've done a fair amount of traveling, and I would say, you know, I mean, we, I would say there's more coffee places here than like in terms of like specialty coffee and like really high quality, yeah, you know, quote third wave style coffee. I mean, like. I think we definitely go over like what you know big cities like Chicago have. Um, oh yeah, you know, Portland I would say is probably the closest thing to what we have. Yeah, um, and you know I'm convinced that the reason Portland has so many so many roasters and things is they have a couple of um, like uh, like kind of co-working spaces, but for roasting. So they yeah. have machines you can rent. So one of the times I was in Portland, um, I spent some time with the owner of Intent Coffee Roasting there. Mm-hmm. And there's a place called Mr. Green Beans, which sells green beans, um, you know, imports beans mostly for like home roasters, but they have a, mm-hmm. like a huge commercial roaster. You can hook your laptop up to it and renting it was like 25 bucks an hour or something like that. That's crazy. And this guy did three like full, you know, big um, roasts of different coffees. And, you know, he, he was going out to, he had a website and he was going out to farmer's markets, but like he had access to this big probat roaster and they've got the... You know, the, like the packing, you know, they had like right a heat there. sealer and, you know, industrial scales and all that. So all you needed to do is like bring your beans and bring your, you know, bags and just, you know, do it all. And for 20, I mean, if we had that, something like that in Kansas City, like, I think we'd have twice as many roasters as there are. Yeah, because, I mean, really, I feel like the roasting machine itself is pretty much the main barrier of entry right Yeah, there. that's a lot of money. Yeah. And the, it's the zoning and, like, the cleaning and knowing how to use I mean, that's a, there's a lot that goes into that. So, you know, yeah. if you took that chunk out of it, I think there'd be yeah. a million roasters here, too. But even with what we do have, I mean, it's just it's hard to throw a rock without hitting, like, a coffee roaster or a shop or something, you know? Yeah, for real. I, I mean, even all the way out in Harrisonville or Excelsior Springs, there are roasters. Yeah. Yep. So, and it's slightly intimidating trying to contact all of them yeah yes so um and do you think that has uh you know just helped improve the the amount of competition helped improve the quality of coffee here or or do you think um it's hard to say i think 
You know, it seems like a business that kind of goes in a lot of different directions and kind of follows yeah. trends and stuff like that. So to a certain extent, I think there's a lot of shops here that just kind of do their own thing and kind of follow their own way. But um, I think it certainly helps to have, you know, the community yeah. they do have because, you know, they'll do a lot of events and things that I just, you know, I'm not really part of that whole scene, but they do like the, you know, the barista, you know, little competitions and, you know, all that sort of stuff, just like sort of, you know, for coffee professionals, by coffee professional type stuff. And I think it builds yeah. a pretty nice community and everybody seems to be pretty, I, I never hear anybody like really talking smack about anybody else yeah. or, you know, there's not a lot of that. So if there is that going on, I would say that probably happens, you know, pretty privately. I'm sure oh, you know, yeah. like any industry, there's probably some of that, but it seems to be a pretty positive community and everybody seems to yeah, be pretty super supportive. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it seems like, uh, I'm sure the competition's been pretty healthy, but it does seem like there's, you know, because you have people doing, like, a little more traditional roasting where they're just going for more of, like, a grocery store-type presence and, you know, just hitting that everyday coffee drinker that wants a yeah. consistent experience. And then you have people like, you know, Oddly Correct and Messenger and people like that who are just bringing in all sorts of crazy coffees and just do yeah. whatever with them. And so there's a good mix between the two. Yeah. Yeah, I just did the tasting podcast with messenger and i mean the variety of flavors that i had in that tasting was crazy oh you actually went over there and yeah we did recorded like a cupping a, or yeah yeah did a cupping and yeah there was one that was just like straight lemon yeah just punched in the face with lemon it was great um but yeah i'd have to agree i mean the it, it is nice being part of that in which and you think of like because really, all of these guys are salesmen, like trying to get more volume, get more of their coffee out. Yeah. But somehow it all just works yeah. together that everyone's succeeding at it. So, uh, it, yeah, it's a pretty great scene. So, um, out of out of the outside of Kansas City, who you have tried? Who are kind of your you know, most recommended roasters or top roasts that you've had? Or yeah. Um, well, certainly Onyx, which is down in, like, Fayetteville and Bentonville, yeah. Arkansas. Like, that northwest Everybody corner of Arkansas that. is crazy because they have Onyx down there. There's another company called Airship Coffee, which started out as um, an importer. Yeah. And then they have a – they bought a cafe called Mama Carmen's, and they still do some roasting under that name. But then Airship does its own brand yeah. and then continue to, to import. Um, and there's a couple other specialty coffee things like up. And, and there's nothing up. I mean, that's just Bentonville and Fayetteville, and that's just a bunch of other small towns. But that northwest corner of Arkansas is just nuts. So Onyx is a go-to. I mean, everything they have is going to be great. They yeah. won last year. They won their roaster, Mike uh, Michael Mickles, Michael Michelson, I think is what his name is. Mm-hmm won the i think third place in the roaster competition uh super consistent they bring in like tons of interesting coffees but they always make them into something great so yeah onyx is one of those i don't really have like favorites but like it's one of those uh what i call them is like you know you'd be fine or like if you said i just want a bag of coffee from somewhere like you'd be fine getting it from them like you you could get anything off their menu you know they've probably got 25 coffees that are roasting right now and i'd be comfortable buying any of them basically so onyx is up there um another one that i've just reviewed a ton of coffee from is a company called theodore's coffee roasters yeah i've never heard of they're they're in michigan they're near lansing michigan okay um, they don't have a shop or anything like that. They're just strictly roasters. Okay. The guy who started the company actually is from, man, I'm going to butcher all this. I think he's Guatemalan and grew up there. And then he was, he continues to go back as part of um, like a kind of a consulting business where they mm-hmm. work with farmers like on the ground, working with um, different types of fertilizers and different types of growing practices and all that. So he knows everything there is to know about coffee and he has a lot of like personal relationships with the farmers themselves yeah they're another one that i've never had a bad coffee from and i've reviewed a ton of coffee from them so like it's another one of those you know anything you buy from them would be great oddly correct here in kansas city's like that messengers like that here in kansas city 
And there's a bunch of other ones. Cat and Cloud's really good. I mean, there's... Yeah, I've been, me- I've been meaning to try Cat and Cloud. Yeah. I mean, pretty much you can go to the... Like, if it's posted on the website, if you see more than, I'd say, five reviews on my site, you know, from a certain company, like, I'd say anything you get from them is going to be pretty good. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, once in a while, I'll just get, like, one bag from somewhere, and it's hard to know. But once I've had, you know... 5, 10, 15 coffees from somewhere and it's like positive review after positive review, you know, you're getting, you know, they're not going to mess up a coffee. They're just never going to put it out there if they do. Yeah. And um, where is Cat and Cloud out of again? Cat and Cloud is in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, okay. I knew it was somewhere in California. Yep. Um, But yeah, their podcast is pretty good. Hey, hopefully coffee people will get up there with them someday yeah. <laughs> on the iTunes reviews. So, okay. That, and that now that you've uh, been reviewing coffee, too. So what is your um, general take on... Uh, are, are people experiencing specialty coffee, like, the right way most of the time? Or, um, I guess, in terms of, like, making it at home properly expectations going into the shop or um it's hard to say because you're not in everyone's house in the morning yeah you know (laughs) and so much of it goes into preparation like you know for a while at work i said we got that like uh, little super automatic espresso machine but prior to that i had a um a bonavita um yeah you know filter machine which is a really high quality machine but like i would have a coffee that at home was awesome and then i take it to work and have it and it's just like so so yeah and they all kind of tasted the same and the only variable that it really comes down to is water Mm -hmm. which a lot of people think you know like it's funny because you talk about water in the context of like beer or whiskey or like wine or anything like that and everybody goes oh Yeah. yeah water makes a difference i mean heck Coors, you know half their ad is flowing you know yeah. colorado streams yeah. and all that and people but the, the bang- second you mention water and coffee people get all like kind of pissed off and irritated yeah. by it but it's 98 percent water so yeah the i would say a big thing that changed for me was getting away from just using my tap water and now i use um third wave water which is a like an add-in product you buy distilled water and you just dump this little capsule of stuff into your okay. water and that made a huge change because I have the same water every single time, yeah, know, consistently across the board, and See, it's it's I got the right like water. minerals and you know whatever that like there's actually, you know, certain flavor compounds that go with certain minerals and things like that. So that made a huge difference. And when I was taking the same coffee to work, it was just like boring, and you could, yeah. like there was nothing in there, and then yeah. you know, and it's like, man, what is going on? So. So, so much of it has to do with how people are preparing it and stuff like that. And there's there's incredible number of variables between water, the kind of, you know, whether you're using a Chemex or, like, some other pour-over or a V60 or a flat-bottom kind, like, a wave or something like that. I mean, there's yeah. so many variables that it's hard to say what people are really doing. I would say if most people are getting, like, specialty-type coffee and throwing it into, like, a Mr. Coffee machine, that's probably either turning them off of it or like they're not having a good experience with it because they just don't get hot enough and um yeah it's going to be pretty nasty probably for what they're getting yeah and then on the other side of it you know i think a lot of people end up in specialty coffee shops just thinking hey this is i can't find you know starbucks but this is the closest thing to it so you know Mm -hmm. and like i know for a while like for you know nine years ten years oddly correct you know fought that tooth and nail yeah because you'd go in there they don't have any condiments they don't have any milk they don't have any sugar no nothing and recently like with their 10th year anniversary they decided to soften up a bit on that they've got some flavored syrups that they make in-house and yeah you know they're being a little more gentle with that which um you know i kind of understand the idea of like they want to present coffee as it is you know pure and unadulterated but especially when it's like your art that you're working on every day the other side of that though is that there's a service business and you know you're trying to you're trying to bring people into it, you know, so if you can make it a little more accessible and they go, man, that was killer. What's different about it? You know, that starts to open that conversation up. So I'm just glad I don't own a coffee shop or something like that. Cause I think it'd be just too much to try to to balance those things out. So, so, you know, I think the trend that's that I'm seeing in specialty coffee is that people are getting a little more, 
um, open to that idea that yeah. not, like the common American coffee drinker is not looking for a wine-like experience. They're looking for consistency. They're looking yeah. for something that tastes good. That means it's going to have milk and syrups and sugars and yeah. unfortunately all sorts of stuff in it. But if that's what people like, that's what people like. So, you know, yeah. a lot of these shops are starting to roast a little darker or, you know, almost every specialty shop this year has started putting like a, a medium to dark roast on there on their menu so when somebody comes in and goes i like dark coffee they can go okay great there's one on the shelf right there grab it and yeah and those aren't easy to do you know this idea that like dark coffee sucks and that you know you just burn you know whatever's in the roaster and throw it out there i mean you can do that but like a well done dark roast actually takes a lot of work and a lot of care so yeah it's interesting to see that people are starting to go okay this american coffee for as big as specialty coffee is i think i've seen statistics that it's like less than 15% of the overall coffee market. So, wow. you know, the rest of the people, it's just kind of like specialty, you know, beer or whatever, yeah, you know, craft beer true. is a very small niche, even though, you know, you really can't throw a rock without hitting a brewer in the head, you know, and no. especially around Kansas city. Also, you go down to the crossroads, it's coffee shop, you know, brewery, brewery. coffee shop, brewery, yeah. which is again, is a great, your body. great just, thing to have, you know, yeah. but but that um, experience of just, uh, you know, most people want something consistent. Most people want to do the same thing over and over and over again. So, you know, it's yeah. an interesting problem to have. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, well, it is cool um, since they do have so little of the market that people are able to build these small businesses. And it's okay that they don't become the next Starbucks or Seattle's best yeah. or whatever. Yep. I mean, just be a good small family business even though some of these guys are getting giant pretty quickly yeah and there's some like venture capital companies that are buying some of the you know the yeah. better names up like uh I'm trying to think there was like uh Stumptown in portland got bought you know a few years ago and intelligentsia i think's been bought by a big company and oh, I blue just bottles got been Stumptown. blue bottles been built by a big or been bought by a big company but you know they're all still good. Like people, there's this weird kind of punk rock thing that happens in coffee yeah. too, where people are like, "Oh man, they sold out. They got bought by a big company." But you know, I was just in Chicago a few weeks ago. Intelligentsia is still great. You go into one of their shops, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, I've been to Stumptown after they've been bought, and they're still great. You know, it's yeah. same thing with Blue Bottle. I went to Blue Bottle when I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago, and they're still awesome. So. Yeah. I think these companies are just buying the brands because they can, you know, and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like they're all of a sudden going to become Folgers. They're still going to keep doing what they're doing. They just have the support of a huge company yeah, to do like it. Yeah, really, yeah, now they just have cash flow. Yeah. And they're not like, fuck, i got to buy how many thousands of dollars worth of beans yeah. this week? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good thing. As long as, as, long as they're picking the right venture capital, that's not going to just string them along but yeah it's a it's definitely an interesting world um do you think it's going to keep growing the way it is keep eating into that you know it's hard to say i don't really follow like the trends or anything like that so much i just kind of do my thing and write about it but i mean it seems like everything always has a bubble you know and that there's always going to be something new that comes down the pipeline or something that pops and you know a lot of the smaller companies will go away. And I think you see that a little bit now where, you know, everybody yeah. who's ever roasted beans in their garage kind of goes, oh, man, I can do this for a living. Yeah. And you see some of these little tiny micro roasters and they get like two orders on their website and they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, I can't roast two pounds of beans. You know, yeah. it's going to take yeah. six days to roast two pounds of beans. So, yeah. In the, you know, the it really depends, I think, on what the industry does to like serve those people i think if they continue to come out with like um roasters and things that can accommodate people because i mean now the step is like you've got your 500 hundred dollar be more that can do 100 grams at a time and then it's like the next step up is like 10 grand you know yeah. for something that can do 500 grams at a time and if you yeah. need to do a couple kilos at a time you're looking at you know 15 or twenty thousand dollar roaster and then you've got the you know the fact that you're selling a food product and so you know the garage people can't really do it right because the fda is going to come by sooner than later <laughs> or they, you know 
county's going to come by and look at your venting or something like that. I mean, it's not really a cottage industry that's very sustainable. So, you know, yeah. I think that's the, the barrier of entry. But I think it's like anything where the big guys will continue to kind of grow and, you know, keep their foot in the door and the small ones will come and go. Yeah. And I think we've been seeing that for some years now. Yeah. And it's it's interesting when some of these places, it's like, um, you know, seeing small shops that roast to save money for the coffee they sell or people that are just small roasters operating out of, you know, a little warehouse and yeah. just one-man shows and then are like, I'm never going to do the shop thing. So it's, it's kind of see which way. I don't know that that's a bad thing either because... Yeah, I mean, then you don't have to deal with... You know, opening a cafe is customer service, it's hiring, you know, the right exhausting. people constantly. I mean, it's a whole different industry, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I would pro- I would go the warehouse yeah. way because at least that seems less stressful. If something goes wrong, you only have to talk yourself through it. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just got some coffee from a brand new roaster here in Kansas City called No Coast Roast. No Coast? And they're just, they've got a little spot down in um, Overland Park where, you know, it's just industrial space. It's right kind of over by where Messenger started when they mm-hmm. were roasting over in OP. And, um, you know, they have no design. It's just a one-man operation right now. But yeah, he's already got, like, nice branding. The coffee's pretty good. He's got a Loring Roaster, which is a legit, like, yeah. air-powered, you know, I don't know how much those things cost, 20 grand or something. So... He sunk some pretty good money into it already, but if he can get that brand going, you know, it's kind of a nice thing without having to, to run a cafe and all the hassles that go with that because, I yeah. mean, there's not much margin in the restaurant business, you know, and no, especially in coffee. I mean, they're buying these things for, you know, quite a bit of money per pound, and then, you know, I mean, if you buy a coffee for seven dollars a pound and then you sell it for 14 bucks a pound that's you know it sounds like oh you're doubling your money but it's not like you know clothing or something like that where you just buy it throw it on the shelf and it sells it's there's a lot of labor going into it and if you're not using it it's going bad and you're you're wastage and all that sort of stuff so i mean it's just there's a a lot of room for error yeah going on there that's it have you tried encore yeah yeah he does the same thing out in a green valley yeah, I've reviewed a few of his coffee. It's been a few months. Once in a while, I'll just get a package that arrives, and there's something yeah. new in there. Yeah. But he does a good job, and it's a little yeah. more, like, medium kind of ro- – it's a little yeah. more accessible for people who are looking for that, like, just, yeah. I want a good coffee. I don't want to go crazy with, like – It seems like that is, like, his, yeah, core of people is, like, he, like his breakfast blend is his number one seller. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting that he kind of went right for that, and it seems to be working out pretty well yeah. for him. I mean, that's a good market. I think around here, you know, yeah. that's sort of what I call the, like, the grocery store market. But, yeah. you know, the funny thing is around here, you don't have, you know, you go to the local groceries, and they're not real well stocked on, like, local brands. No, the, the Liberty High V is surprising. They have, like, the Almeas, second best. Oh, really? Parisi, Roastery, and Hammerdam. Huh. So, but they're, like, the only one that I see like that. Otherwise, it's your standard, like, Gabalia. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, he, uh, and I think, like, too, in this particular area, you know, when I give people coffee, they, like, want to support the local brand, and then they also don't want, like, the really intense single origin all the time. Yeah. It's a pretty good mix of, like, what this area of the country wants when it comes to coffee. Yeah. And, again, a lot of that comes down to what we were talking about before with the equipment and stuff. Like, if you're yeah. using a regular coffee brewer, I mean, the temperatures and all that just don't get hot enough to pull out the good stuff out of, you know, real light roasted beans. So that's why, yeah. you know, that's why, like, medium to dark roasts have been so popular because they're easier to get the stuff out of because the the cell walls are all broken down and all that sort of stuff. So, you know. It's, yeah. If somebody buys a really high-quality light roast coffee and throws it in a Mr. Coffee, I mean, it's just going to be, like, super sour and super gross and yeah. all thin. And, you know, it's not the coffee's fault. It's the, you know, the, the operator's way. fault. But not that many people want to buy a whole bunch of different, you know, things and obsess about it and weigh things and do all that. So yeah. anybody who's looking for that 
eighty-five percent of the coffee market who just uses you know whatever machine from the store. Yeah. You know, that's what you kind of have to do is have something a little darker, something a little more accessible, something a little more basic because it's going to taste better at the end of the day. So Yeah, which is a, I mean, good thing. It's like you want everybody to enjoy coffee. Yeah, so. for sure. So we'll, uh, let's do some, we'll do some random questions on the coffee world. All right. Random fire. Okay. And I'll try to not offend any Kansas City people, so right. I'll try. Okay, if you had to go, so we'll exclude, um, we'll exclude Kansas City, well, I guess you can say it doesn't really matter. All right, not best like bag, but best just cup of coffee ever that you've had. So like, in that moment, you're about to do a review, you're in your kitchen, and you're like, my entire life, my entire paradigm has just changed. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, well, that's a good question then, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think if it comes to, like, I drink a lot of espresso. So if it comes to espresso, I had, was it just last year maybe? Monarch Coffee, which is in Kansas City, yeah. had a, um, a geisha, which, you know, geisha is like the, you know, the real yeah. high end, you know, insanely priced, you know, 70 to a hundred dollars a pound kind of coffee. Yeah. And they had a geisha that they were pulling espresso with, and it was just really different from anything. It tasted like, like lime pie, you know, it was mm-hmm. really crazy. I actually, it and I, crazy. a place where I see patients down in, um, uh, Midtown is right across the street from there. So like that was one that I was going in early yeah. a couple of times to go, you know, so I could jump over there and grab, you know, a couple more shots of that. Cause I just wasn't getting the same thing from, they gave me a, like a small bag of it, um, to review and I just wasn't getting the same thing out of it at home. So, you know, yeah. that was something that was just such a different, um, unusual experience. Um, Otherwise, I'd say, you know, like oddly has done like oddly correct has been that shop for me where like I go in there and like, you know, there's going to be something that's just going to melt my face, whether it's on the espresso machine (laughs) or I went down there for their 10 year anniversary um, thing. And I've been doing a keto diet since September. So I haven't been having like sugar or milk or anything, but they had like a, you know, and that's again been a shop where they don't put anything in coffee yeah. and so for their 10 year anniversary they rolled out a new menu and they had a um, berry um, like berry infused mocha so there was a little chocolate a little berry you know and I hadn't had sugar in like six months and it was you know that was awesome even though I know it sounds super like oh my god this basic guy is drinking you know these <laughs> mochas but it was so good but they tend to be like one of those shops where it's just like you know awesome yeah and Theodore's has done that with a couple of coffees they had a Ethiopian coffee a couple of years ago that it, it, it sounds weird, but it tasted like, um, I mean, there was like cucumber in there. It was really cool and like fresh and it tasted like cucumber water. And there was like some like honeydew melon and stuff. And it was just like so unusual that, that those tend to be the coffees that like yeah. make me go, Holy smokes. I mean, I get good coffee like constantly. Yeah. And so it's some of those like where so, you just don't expect to so taste like what you yeah. end up tasting in it, okay. you know? That makes sense. And, like, you know, I had a bunch of coffees from a company that was roasting them from Yemen. And, like, Yemeni coffees are really weird because their processing is really strange. They do a natural process, but, like, you just don't know how they're being handled. And so they get a lot of weird stuff happening in there. And you can get all sorts of, like, real, like, pretty intense, like, almost wine-like flavors Mm. and stuff. And so, like, some of those coffees from Yemen can be really crazy. But you don't want to pay, you know it's hard to get coffees out of there and like some companies like blue bottle have kind of um exploited that a little bit so like you know like they'll have a yemen coffee for like you know a hundred dollars uh you know for eight ounces I was or gonna something make a and, note, get yemen coffee and now you just stop me from doing that nah, <laughs> not, yeah don't get it from blue bottle i'll give okay. you a, there's a the importer of a lot of that has a list there's a place called dragonfly coffee in colorado okay. that's got some good ones that looks like they're you know they t- so, some of them are kind of expensive but they're not that insanely expensive so side note to the colorado part i go to colorado quite a bit uh-huh and they seem to have quite a few like local roasters as well if you want to count like denver and then the surrounding oh, yeah. like suburban areas yeah so 
I think there's a, they have a good appreciation of that type of vibe just because yeah. of the way Colorado is and probably the craft beer. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I think yeah. Um, yeah. coffee is sort of like piggybacking on the craft beer mm-hmm. movement to a certain extent. And it seems like if there's a town yeah. that has a good appreciation for like local restaurants, local beer, stuff like that, there's going to be a lot of coffee, sh- you know, local coffee as well. Yeah. And a few of them are on, like, Trade Coffee Co. Or yeah. So. But, yeah, uh, I found that interesting, like, looking for more. There aren't, like, it didn't seem like there's an insane amount in uh, downtown Denver, but, like, in Fort Collins or Boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were quite a few. Um, okay. So, then the reverse... And we'll exclude anybody in Kansas City from this, but also, okay. So, have you ever received coffee from somebody? Well, I guess we don't need to say this, but anybody a roaster that's just like, then you're an obvious like sham, like they not doing a very good job at all. Well, I guess this kind of goes against your code. Well, so it's like happened you, a couple. You don't want to break this. Yeah, I mean, the thing with my website is I really don't post negative reviews. Yeah. You know. Um, and I know some people are like, well, how am I going to know? You know, I mean, that's whatever. But, like, I could probably well, triple my readership to... by having, like, just, you know, just talking shit constantly. But that's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, that being said, I have. So if I get something that's terrible, like, I just won't post a review mm-hmm. of it. And I'll talk to the roaster about it. It really hasn't okay. happened um, that many times. Once in a while, I'll get something where it's shipped from, like, Amazon or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, it might be six months old already. And I'm like, you know, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, yeah. obviously you didn't even look at my website to kind of see what the deal is. But, yeah, you know, the, and honestly, the only there's only a couple times where it's been like undrinkable. And they were both new roasters. Um, one was local. One was from out of town. And I won't say who the local one was, but they um, the coffee was so green that it like it hadn't even like in coffee roasting like there's something called first crack where like it starts to pop and crack yeah. and it's like popcorn kind of and really it has to get in this first crack for it to be in my opinion drinkable mm-hmm. um and like it, i don't even know if the coffee got leaned up against a roaster at any point because it was yeah. like you know and even grinding because i usually use hand grinders it was like grinding rocks and i was like man there's something weird going on here Dang. and so they were both coffees that i don't think got i mean they didn't get roasted properly yeah and if you have a coffee that's real green like that it's going to taste like peanut butter mixed with like fresh lawn clippings and it's yeah. just not cool in any way yeah it looks weird it'll look all cloudy and like yeah strange and everything so i knew something weird was going on and you know they were both kind of new to one had a roaster that was broken but it also shows that like they hadn't quality controlled their own product which is a little disturbing but like when people are brand new it's sort of you know you give them a little bit of a pass yeah um, both of them are companies i've had coffee from since then and they've been fine so you yeah know, it's a you know it's early learnings and for me i don't want to like you know why would i post something about like oh man these guys suck. stay away like, from them because yeah, people make mistakes yeah, yeah everybody makes mistakes and when you're in business you know you really count on those people to yeah. who catch a mistake and say hey listen you made a mistake and you know give yeah. you the opportunity to fix it rather than just going hey stay away from these guys yeah again people take note of a very healthy outlook on social media um Okay, so last question. All right, and then we'll we'll wrap life up. But by the way, I think we did, we should do like a regular occurrence on the show, though. Yeah, this would be cool. Yeah, because um, I know like we both get done with work, and then you know we don't have like hours to record. So, but that's why we can do multiple episodes. Um, okay, what uh, for your your message to the average coffee drinker getting into specialty coffee, what would that be besides the water point? Um, I think it'd be to just find like to, to buy something, you know, if it's like in terms of equipment, buy something, learn how to use it, like be satisfied with it. And coffee, there's always the, like the next best thing. And you end up with an AeroPress and a Wave and a, you know, a V60 and a Chemex and the other big size of Chemex and the small Chemex and the big Wave and the small. And you end up with all this shit that you don't, like, really need and yeah. you never use. 
Um, espresso people are the worst about it. Like, if you really want to, you know, see people who go crazy over things, like, just look at the home espresso people. Like, that's really... <laughs> and that's, that's sort of, like, the hobby of it, sort of, like, the, the machinery and stuff like that. But, I mean, yeah. you know, a $1,000 grinder and stuff like that starts to get a little... And you have five of those. It's like, you know, give me a break. On your counter yeah, $15,000 home machine and all yeah. that. So I would say just, you know, find something that seems like it's going to work for you and learn how to use that before you start buying a bunch of different things. Because, like, I've got, you know, a dozen different ways of brewing coffee. I use one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm somebody who gets different coffee all the time. And, you know, I just yeah. – and maybe for me it's just I'm not the most experimental with that sort of thing. So I would say just buy something, stick with it. I would really recommend getting – if you don't want to do, like, third-wave water, which – I'll tell you a secret that I make my own. Like they posted their recipes on uh, one of the <laughs> websites a few years ago. And I've got a background in chemistry. So I'm that nerd that bought like all the crap for it. And I like make my nice. own, like I refill my own capsules and stuff. So I'm not spending a lot of money on it. Even then it's not that much money. Like it's a couple bucks, you know, for a gallon of water, which goes a long way. Um, but even like just getting spring water or something like that, that's going to be something consistent, you know? Yeah. And using the same bottled water, it really makes a huge difference. But I think not falling into the trap of having to buy like all this equipment, you know, I, you yeah. know, AeroPress is a great way to start for a lot of people because there's a thousand ways to make coffee on an AeroPress and it's cheap and, you know, yeah. it's really accessible and anything that goes bad on it, you can replace that part and stuff like that. So it's a very kind of sustainable kind of thing. Yeah. It's in like every coffee shop. Yeah. So, you know, I think that'd be my, and you know, for me, I like to, have something different all the time but that would drive a lot of people crazy so i think it's important to you know just buy a bag at a time try it out really sit and think and then the, you know the last thing i would say for people would be to make sure you let your coffee like cool down before you start drinking it because you're yeah. never going to taste anything if it's really hot and i know that's a tradition to keep your coffee like nuclear hot yeah and drink it you know as hot as it can possibly be but that actually um like suppresses the taste receptors in your mouth and so you're yeah. not going to taste much and so i know when i like when i make coffee to review i'll make it i'll sit it down i'll type out like a whole bunch of stuff on the review itself like just the preliminary stuff and the you know about the company and all that i mean i'll spend 15 minutes before i even take a sip and it's i really I, i've never measured anything but as far as like temperature but i drink you know most of the flavors are going to come out maybe a little like you know what most people would consider warm on the side of getting toward like um room temperature and that's okay. where you're going to get most out of it uh otherwise you're just shutting everything down yeah and neurologically your your brain can't taste any of that stuff uh same thing with food like if you try to eat something that's super hot you're not going to taste anything because yeah. you're burning your mouth yeah i mean that's probably the biggest thing is wait for it to cool off because any of those like all that fancy, you know, cork sniffing stuff I talk about in reviews with, you know, like there's some berries and there's some jasmine and there, you know, Corks you're never, <laughs> you're never going to taste any of that stuff if it's hot. So yeah, I'd say that's the number one thing. If you're really trying to taste something, let it cool way down mm -hmm. and then give it a shot because if it's hot, I mean, there's no way. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. Next time I burn my tongue, I'll be like, fuck, <laughs> Steve told me. Don't do it. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And yeah, thanks many for more me. to come. It's going to be a blast. Um, and people are going to enjoy this episode. So thank you, coffee people, for listening. We appreciate you. And have a great day.